This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Known in the Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and joining me for a very short episode this week is a regular guest of the show and friend, Mike Landers, who's going to be having a look at the transfer window. What have the Pirates been doing in January? What do they need to try and survive this season? Or in fact, is it actually worth it? Are the Clarets better saving their pennies and trying to build again next season? Dave Statman Roberts is also joining us to look ahead to that away fixture at City and we assess Manchester City's celebrity fans. So, without further ado, let's go. So let's kick off with another preview show where we're going to have a little bit of a discussion as well before we get into that daunting trip away to the Etihad on Wednesday. I am joined by our friend of the show, Mike Landers, and of course, our resident statistician, Dave Statman-Roberts. Gentlemen, welcome back. Good evening. Good to have you. Um, Mike, I'm going to jump straight in with you. Um, Because before we get on to preview the show, it's time we checked in with that wonder that is the January transfer window. In our analysis show last week, we had a look in depth about what our views were on what the Clarets needed, what we thought they should bring in, how we think we're doing. It's getting very, very close to the end of the transfer window, Mike. And we have so far had one incoming for Fauna, um, in from Chelsea, a striker. Um, quite a few fringe players going out on loan. Um, a, a few of our young lads going up to our uh, new partners at Dundee, which we'll come on to later on in the show. But so far, nothing yet concrete in terms of incoming. So I'm going to kick us off this segment with the same question that I asked Tom and Rich last week to get your views on it. How active would you be in this transfer window? Is it worth throwing money at it if we are going to just get relegated anyway? It isn't worth it. Um, I don't think it's worth it at all. I'm not as pessimistic as some have been about relegation. Um, That's interesting. No, I'm I'm not at the end of the day. I, I think there's still a chance. I think there's there's always a chance. And um, there, there are signs of, you know, what they call it, the bright shoots of recovery and all that kind of stuff. But I don't see I don't see the players out there that we need. 
And I don't think we should rush into something uh, just because, you know, oh, we've got to go out there and buy. Uh, I don't think that's what we, you know, we we play the hand we're dealt right now. And, yeah. uh, I don't think there's anyone out there where we want to go, we should have him. I think Ian Matson is the is the classic example. He's gone off to uh, Borussia Dortmund, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. Now, if he was offered to us, yeah, take him on. But I don't think he was. So oh, we can't yeah. have him now anyway because we got Fabana. You only allowed one. Yeah, we're only allowed, only allowed so many. But but Matson is a you know if Matson was available to us, yeah, we should have gone for him. But if he's not available to us, but so we should really be casting around for a, a replacement. Also, I think the the issues with the first team squad are not going to be fixed in in a January transfer window. I think they're going to be fixed in a in a summer window where you've got more time. And finally, I just don't think the deals are out there. Um, I think I don't think we're particularly in trouble with FFP, but I think everybody no. is worrying about FFP uh, buyers and sellers. So I don't think the market is there for us to do it. So just going out there and just getting someone for the sake of getting someone, waste of time. Um, I agree with that, apart from when it comes to the left-back situation, especially considering that the news surrounding Charlie Taylor is a little bit ambiguous at the moment. And there are some suggestions that he is going to be out for a lot longer than we perhaps thought he was going to be. We do not have an established left-back at the club. So I think... That for me becomes a certainty. Does that not change your view on that? Yeah, Charlie Taylor, he might be the only left back at the club, but Vincent Company didn't want to play him at the start of the season. Not true. And no, to be it's fair, massive like, respect. You know, yeah. I think I think um But we now don't I, have him either because he's injured. Yeah, I know now we don't have him anyway. So I don't know. I mean, like I say, if there's one there, but who's there? And how long are they going to take to get up speed? How long, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think it's it got to be an improvement on what's already there. And I know uh, uh, Al Bakil, I know we've got Vettinio, they're all swapping around and stuff. Whoever comes in is going to take time to learn. They're going to get chucked in at the deep end. Um, and if they're good enough, why are they coming to to us right now? Um, you know, we're, yeah. if we're in the loan situation. We're here for... If, if it's a loan, they're here for experience, which means they're not the kind of player we need. Mm. So I I wouldn't say no, but I wouldn't say yes to just the first thing that comes on down the, down the line anyway. We just have to cope with what we've got to cope with. I mean, we could be saying it's okay, we've got Charlie Taylor till the end of the season and he does his shoulder the first game in February and then you are screwed anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, so I suppose, yeah. Very, very it's the Dean Marnie problem, isn't it? We said we wouldn't buy a central midfielder because we had Dean Marnie and he did his ACL like he did his cruciate, like the, the game the after really worked. The very next done. game. Yeah. So, but yeah. the thing is, so that that's difficult because we, we roll the dice with that. We don't have to roll the dice with a with a left back. They told us at the beginning of the season when the Matson deal fell through that they were looking for a left back. Charlie Taylor has done an unbelievably professional job, by the way. I cannot respect that man anymore. He was third choice last season. Um, he knew he wasn't on the course. Nobody came in for him when we got relegated. Nobody came in for him in the summer. When we didn't get Matson, company was very public and came out and said, we will rectify the left-back situation in January and then expects Charlie Taylor to cover for the first half of the season. And what an unbelievably professional job that man has done. Um, so I'm really sad that he has actually got injured because I think, I think we would have been fine with him to the end of the season. 
But we don't need the benefit of hindsight. We've known since the summer we want a left back and now Charlie Taylor's been injured for, what, three weeks? So yep. I think I think that's the one position I disagree. I, I think the rest of the, the, the comments, Mark, are absolutely sound. And I think the thing for me is all the transfer rumours that I've been hearing, and let's just recap on some of them. We've heard that uh, Maxime Estev, uh, listen, Regular known and ever listeners know my pronunciation is terrible, so I'm just going to caveat that now. Um, Estev, uh, centre-back from Montpellier, he's supposed to be a done deal. Um, Jaden Oosterveld from Fenerbahce, he's a left-back, so that might cover that problem. Um, Callum O'Hare from Commentary and somebody from Hearts, whose name I don't know because I cannot read my lawyer writing that I put down here. C-O-H, Corone, you know what? Don't know. That's Quality content right there, listeners. Now, the problem with all of those, Mark, is exactly what you've identified, is that what we need, if we're going to bring players in to survive, what we need is grit, strength, experience, and just the ability to fight. I think this team is quite light physically and inexperienced mentally. If we aren't going to sign those players, I don't see the point in signing another six promising young players from Europe. I, I, completely, I completely agree. Um, I, I I don't do, I've said this before, I don't do social media, which means I don't bother with rumours. We miss um, you, though, I don't care. social media, Mark. We miss you. Come back. Yeah, I was. I did enjoy it. That was it. I probably enjoyed it a little too much. But anyway, <laughs> so, uh, I also enjoyed bits of it. But, I, you know, there, there are rumours, these are names. You, right. I basically said a long time ago, uh, when it comes to transfer rumours, print out a list of every player in the Belgian First Division and the French First Division, stick it on your back on the door and throw a dart at it. You are going to be more accurate than these people who are, quote, in the in know. The door. Oh, they, my timeline absolutely... is full of, of Twitter profiles who just basically copy and paste a rumour, credit that rumour with a picture they've nicked. And I'm like... Why am I seeing the same things? We are refused to do that at none and ever social. We yes. just refuse because it's yes. just pointless. And it's, it's not just that. It's also, what was it? Um, and I'm going to say this. Uh, on the 31st of December, a rumour comes out about Manuel Benson going off to Southampton and everyone panics. And, oh, my God, that came from an account from a guy who specialises in transfer rumours who runs a Patreon so you can get the great news. Ooh, that, shocker. Me, <laughs> the entire transfer rumor oh, for it's us. nonsense. It's when absolute nonsense. And they're waving a scarf in the Bob Lord stand. That's the point at which I know it's real. Or well, nowadays is when they've got the uh, they're hacking a movie together. Yes. Which is all right. That's when I believe it. And we see these names. They are names we've never heard of, and they are names we're never hearing again. Uh, he says, holding a huge hostage to fortune there. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, like I say, they're just people who, they, they're just names. And I don't mean that disrespectfully because when we bought all the players last season, not the last transfer we did, going after relegation, we didn't know these people from Adam. And they turned out to be a brilliant team together. So it's kind of like, it's not something I even bother getting wound up about anymore or even paying attention to. When they turn up, they got a number, great. I'll cheer them on at that point. Until then, meh. Just Wise words meh. from Mike Landers. Life lessons to live by football fans, don't you forget it. So, bearing that in mind, talking about more positive approach to player development and squad rotation, obviously we've had the news this week that 
Burnley have gone into partnership with Dundee United. It's a strategic alliance, strategic alliance, which is a new one, um, for player development and um, to have more robust and thoughtful attitudes to player development. This, to me, we've got three players already gone out there. They're young players, Owen Dodgson, Dara Costello and Michael Mellon have all gone up there. Now, the idea being, Mike, obviously, is that they get more control over their development. They can control their game time, where they play, the coaching and development in there, share ideas, share strategy. Um, Dundee can send some players down to us if they want to integrate them into the youth team. I suspect it's probably more going north than south, but, you know, we don't know. Um, I was quite surprised to see a somewhat meh attitude to this. This, to me, is a really good thing and something I think clubs should be doing more of. I think it's an interesting one. Um, the the positive part of me agrees um, that the, potentially it's a development for, and let's be honest here, it's our players. It's not a development for those going to benefit Dundee because if, no. it, if they're given the choice, you know, it's what they're going to play, they're going to play in the Premier League. Interestingly, the, the Scottish uh, Premier League um, is rated higher than League One uh, in terms of European leagues. It is rated higher than League One, but less than the Championship by a fair way. Um, it's not as good as MLS uh, in terms of rating. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a few places uh, below mm -hmm. the MLS. But it is a better pathway than League One. Yes. Um, plus, also, I think it's never a bad thing. I, I don't particularly... I'll not get started on ranting about the Ugly Sisters in Glasgow, but I think experience for our players uh, in that kind of atmosphere, in that kind yes. of thing, is not a bad thing. It's grounded as well, Mark, I think. Yeah. It's not the glitz and glamour of the Premier League, it's reality. Yeah, absolutely. Dundee's actually a nice part of the world, you know. Uh, you know, Scotland's a nice part of the world. Um, I think it's good for Burnley. Um, that's the positive. The slightly negative is I've never heard of one of these strategic alliances working anywhere for anybody. <laughs> um, I mean, Man we City have got 10 of them. I know we'll come on to them later, but they've got 10 of them around the world. Um, and I'm not entirely sure they've been a particular pathway. Um, Chelsea had the Vitesse Arnhem and, the, and, and things like that. So maybe it'll work. We also had one with Air United. Remember that? We did. That never really got off the ground, though, did it? That went as far as they had a third strip that was Claret and Blue. Um, <laughs> that was it. That was genuinely it. That was support. Well, maybe a collector's yeah. item at some point, like Mike. Well, all that needs to happen, all that needs to happen is Dundee to uh, find a diamond in the rough, the one diamond in the rough. And in the, in the instead of them selling, selling, selling them to Celtic or Rangers, they can sell them to us. Right. That's good. So it's not a bad thing. I'm just, um, my expectations are low. I think Good a place lot of to go for a pre-season friendly. Exactly. That is very true, actually. Dundee in August. Very nice. Um, okay, Dave, I'm going to bring you in now because I'm very conscious that you've been sat here waiting very patiently. Um, with your growing beard, sir, we're becoming bearded. Is it as a season having that much of an impact on you that it's literally stopped you having a shave? Are you, are you fed up? No, I'm just fluctuating at the moment. Okay, very good. Okay. Quick let one, then, before... until, he's let it grow until we win one. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> it's going to be full on Santa Claus by the time we get to the end of the season. Um, Dave, a very quick one before we start moving on to the City preview. Give Mike um, a chance to have a little bit of rest before we come back on 
to um, City specifically. Uh, women's news today has come out that the Burnley women will be playing their final game of the season against Liverpool Feds again at Turf Moor. 21st of April, tickets now on sale. You can get adults £10, kids £5. There are... Uh, packages I think for hospitality um, and essentially just a really cracking way to end the season uh, good thing happy with this approach uh, well yeah I think I think really they should be playing closer to home if they're playing at uh, Leyland which they seem to do for most of the home games it, it's quite a trek for uh, most Burnley fans I mean for some it'll be more convenient but for the majority um, it's a little bit further away um, but yeah yeah Having the game on the turf at least one a season, maybe more, it's a, it's a good idea. Get get, get some of the, uh, well, certainly get a bigger crowd. They don't, I don't think get uh, massive crowds at uh, at Leyland. It's certainly a potential for getting a few more on at the turf. And yeah. uh, maybe you'll be commentating again, Natalie. I hope so. That Fingers crossed, that would be very good. I will be at the game if I'm not, but I would I would very much like to commentate again. Um, I We did have an explanation, actually, on the, the ground situation at the Fan Advisory Board last week. Um, the club reported, we had a, an update from Lola, uh, the head of women's football at Burnley. The, the problem with having them closer to home is that there isn't a facility in Burnley that is able to meet the FA standard for their pitch rules and everything that you need to have. You know, even at, even at tier three of women's football, you still have regulations that you have to meet. There just isn't a facility in Burnley that meets that. Um, despite the distance, we are incredibly lucky to have that facility. It's, it's a, a FA's training ground, ground at Leyland. It's a fantastic facility. Fine, we've got to pay for it, but there's nowhere else locally that's anywhere near as good as that and gives the the women um, an opportunity to play at such a high level. So, you know, until that facility is either built or we have the ability protecting our pitch well enough to play at turf more, actually Leyland's a very, very good um, pitch to play in. So that was a, that was an interesting update anyway. Um, Mike's a bit of a shame really yesterday, the Clarets, Clarets lost their first game of the season yesterday. A real crunch game against Notts Forest, who've now taken a little bit of an initiative at the top of the table. Um, but the Clarets very much trying to push for promotion. Um, do you think from, given how much the, the women's game is growing, there can be an increased excitement amongst Burnley fans general if we do get promoted. If we do get promoted, we're in the championship next year. Um, and that's one step away from the WSL. I know our chairman is desperate to get on the WSL team. Um, do you think we can have a really positive and um, bountiful fan base at Burnley for women's football? I think we can. I mean, I have to confess, I, due to location and, and work, I don't uh, follow the, the women's team as much as I should. That's okay. But I do follow uh, their results. I do watch the highlights. And I would love to get to a game. And I was like, when you said, this is typical of my fandom, when you said they're playing at the turf, Ears pricked up, yeah. and then he said 21st of April. I went, I'm not even in the country. Oh no, but, what a shame! No, that's but I would be there otherwise. Um, and that's the thing, I think. I think the thing that's stopping it is, like you say, is the facility. Um, if we had the facility in Burnley, I think you would have a lot more people uh there to watch it. Um, I, you know, I definitely think that there is the possibility of. Uh, women's Super League for Burnley, oh. which I think would be absolutely amazing. Can you imagine? Absolutely oh, um, it, it, 
you know, it would be great. But, you know, I think a, a women's, a Burnley women's team at championship level, mm. brilliant. You know, that is a That's realistic... That's impressive, yeah. Yeah, it's a realistic possibility. And like I say, I, you know, I'm not... I haven't followed it as, as much as I perhaps should, and I really should, because uh, I've watched, uh, obviously, England women's football or the other games, and I just find the standard, the the, the game's really, really good. Um, and improving and just, every, every year. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I just wish that the 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 team and the connection to the club in terms of location was better and i think yeah. he would get that improvement but as you say i think without the club spending i don't know what would it cost three million quid to buy a, to build a stadium about that possibly probably. yeah probably yeah you know if we could invest that i think you would get it back yeah i think i think that's that's the key it's going to take um, it's going to take us building the facility. It's not going to take us. There's none. There's none in existence right now. We'd have to build it. And I guess the question mark becomes: if technology around full size pitches in stadiums improves, and you do get to the position where pitches can stand with the women's first team, the men's first team, the under twenty ones development squads, or being able to play their weekly games at Turf Moor without a um, restriction or damage to the pitch. I think that's probably the better investment because eventually you'd get everybody in there rather than Billy. So I suspect that's probably something that's been thought of, but there's just no point in it. So, okay. Well, listeners, um, if you are like Mike and you are interested, but you just haven't quite got yourself invested as much as you would like to, which is absolutely fine, by the way. Nobody cares when your journey starts. It's just that you get on that journey. Nobody cares. Come along. And I, what I would say is, is that have that one eye on that, game at Turf Moor, we'll be covering it closer. Sorry, listen, my cat is going crazy by my feet. Um, will that um, We will be covering that closer to the, the time. Um, in the meantime, we do have a home game at Leyland coming up against Newcastle, who are top of the league and who turned their team pro this year. Um, and are investing heavily in getting themselves a WSL side. Let's leave it platonic. Uh, sorry. What's the word? Um, not platonically, that's something completely different. They are neutral. Uh, neutral. Yes, let's leave it like that. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, let's move on. Dave, Manchester City preview. Talk to me. Talk to me about a preview show. We'll bring you in here. What have we got on today? What do you want to know? What do we want to know? Well... 
Oh, actually, that's true. We don't have a... Do you know what? I was about to go straight to a quiz question. We don't have quiz questions anymore, do we? You've no, binned them this half of the season. Ditch the quiz. I'm still, you know, I'm still holding on to that. So, okay. In that case, then, let's move on to a full preview show. We are back after the international break. It is Manchester City away, Wednesday the 31st of January, live on TNT Sports, formerly of BT Sports. And it is a... What time's a kickoff? Is it 7.30? 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock kickoff. So, start us off, please, with our first section of this preview, please. Match results summary. Okay, I think it's fair to say that most Burnley fans travel to away games at Manchester City more in hope than expectation. Apart from a 1-0 victory at Main Road in the Charity Shield in August 1973, we have to go back more than 60 years for Burnley's last away win in the league, which was a 5-2 win in March 1963. Since then, Burnley are winless in 18 league meetings, losing 12 and drawing six of our trips to Main Road up to 2001 and the City of Manchester Stadium since 2009. Overall, Burnley's away league visits to Manchester City have produced seven wins in 50 attempts, although curiously, all seven of those victories were in the space of just over a decade, between 1952 and 1963. In terms of goals in these matches, Burnley has scored 52 but have conceded 121 times. The best we've managed away from home in the Premier League is a couple of memorable draws from 2009 and 2014, one of which we've chosen to revisit in our next feature. Well, that was an uplifting and inspiring start to our match results summary. When you first said 60 years since we'd won, I was like, great, this is this is going to go down well. Okay, rip off that band-aid, Dave. Let's, let's get on here. We've got the second of our features in the previous show, and that is one to remember and one to forget. Of course, it's a regular look back at two matches from the past, which were memorable for very different reasons. Uh, we're going to start as we want to, to get it out of the way, with one to forget, please. Uh, yes, let's get the one to forget out of the way first. Uh, and let's face it, there have been several to choose from, including a hat-trick of 5-0 defeats in consecutive Premier League away <laughs> matches between 2018 and 2020. A little further back, uh, there was also a 5-1 defeat in a second-tier match in December 2001. Uh, but Burnley's heaviest away defeat to City in the league was in the 1968-69 season. Experimentations with youth had paid dividends earlier in the season, but that all came crashing down at Main Road in early December 1968. City were already 3-0 up at half-time, with two goals from Neil Young and one from Colin Bell. Early in the second half, City were awarded a penalty, but Francis Lee's spot kick went wide of Rodney Jones's post. However, further goals from Tony Coleman, Mike Doyle, Franny Lee and another from Colin Bell made it seven. Since this match, Burnley have only conceded seven goals on three occasions at QPR in 1979 and then at home to both Sheffield Wednesday and Watford in 2003. Good stuff. OK, this is not getting any better. Please, can you give us some positive news, please? And I want to remember before I literally just cry and quit the episode. <laughs> uh, well, as we've already mentioned, we've, we haven't managed to beat City on their patch for over 60 years in the league. So we're going to take a look back at Burnley's first ever visit to play at the City of Manchester Stadium, which was in November 2009. Uh, despite some good home form early in the early months of that season, Owen Coyle's Clarets in their first Premier League campaign were not exactly reliable on their travels. 
having already suffered five consecutive away defeats in our first five away matches of that season, with 17 goals conceded, there was little hope of that run coming to an end in Manchester. However, a 19th-minute penalty from Graham Alexander was followed up with a second goal from Stephen Fletcher in the 32nd minute. And even though Sean Wright Phillips pulled one back just before the break, there were still hopes of an unlikely Burnley victory. That all seemed to come crashing down uh, in the space of just four minutes in the second half. Uh, Colo Toure scored in the 55th minute and current Burnley FC assistant manager Craig Bellamy scored after 58 minutes. However, there was still time for a twist before the end. As David Nugent's cross was heavy backed by Stephen Fletcher and he found substitute Kevin MacDonald who slotted in at the near post for an 87th minute equaliser to make it 3-3 and earn a valuable point. Can we possibly go one better this weekend? No, probably not. But I appreciated the, um, what's it called? The optimism anyway. Uh, well, you know, listeners, that we do like to slot in an opposition view here. We don't like you to just take our word for it. This week, we spoke to City fan John Berry, who gave him gave us his views ahead of the game. Hello, guys. I'm John. I'm a City fan, and it's nice to be back on No Day Never Again. All right, I've been asked to... Um, talk about City's chances of winning the league at a treble. I think as far as trebles go, you've got to have a bit of luck to win things like the European Cup. It can be a draw, it can be a bad decision, it can be a bad decision, as we all know. So I'd never say we're on for winning the treble or something like that until later in the season. As far as winning the league goes, I think we've got as good a chance as anybody else up there. I think we lost a few players in the summer. We sold a few kind of promising players like Cole Palmer. Um, and we seem to have ridden that out. And with Kevin De Bruyne coming back, it seems to have like defeated teams before he even comes off the bench. Um, so I think we've got a great chance of winning the league. I know no one's ever won four leagues on the trot before, but I think this team can do it. They're just doing the right things at the moment. They're winning hard matches 1-0 or they're starting to kind of click into gear and win other matches 3-4, a bit of a canter. So you can see that they're starting to play and do well and do what Pep wants them to do. Injury news for the game. I think Haaland's still not quite full fitness, so he'll probably... I don't, I don't think he's going to be on the bench, to be honest. I think it'll probably be the weekend before we see anything of him. Um, Carl Walker's been in the paper for the wrong reasons, for a change. Um, so he might not play, but then again, I don't think it's going to affect him as a player. So, you know, he'll be there and thereabouts in the squad. So, Vincent Company, he's going to get a great reception from the City fans. Um... As I've said before, as a leader of men, as a person, a human being, you know, you'd run through brick walls for Vincent Company. Um, what he did in the last two seasons, he was a football player at City, lesser people would not have done. The, the actual fact he came back from as many injuries as he did do tells you everything you need to know about the man. Um, Obviously, his results haven't gone so well this season, and I think that's, does he have the players to actually play the system that he wants to play? Is there something in the team at Burnley that's going on? You know, he signed a lot of new players over the summer, obviously he ran away with the championship. Um, 
has that affected the balance of the team? You know, do are they blending well? Are they playing well with each other? And again, does he need to be a little bit more pragmatic? I think is what I'd say. What would worry me if I was a Burnley fan is the amount of points you've thrown away from winning or drawing positions. You seem to be dropping points, whereas teams like Luton seem to be picking up points. And you've got to compare yourself against the teams around you when you're down at the bottom. So I think Vincent's a great manager. I think he will come good if you give him time. But, you know, that might involve being relegated, which is what's happened in the past. Um, with managers of clubs like Burnley and you've stuck by your managers and you've come back. Um, what I would also say is the first time I've actually ever seen Vincent look a little bit kind of perplexed was after the looting game uh, when you had that VAR decision where the guy blatantly badged the goalkeeper and then VAR looked at it and you know decided there was no problem. That's the first time I've seen him kind of frustrated as if and a bit exasperated as if to say what's going on here. So, you know, we've got to watch that. As far as lineup goes, I think we'll have Edison in goal, uh, Louis Stone attacking Vardial at the back, Rodri as the linchpin, uh, then Bernardo, Foden, let's give De Bruyne a start, let's give Grealish a start, and then Alvarez up top. Prediction for me would be 3 1. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the game because I'm actually going and taking my seven year old son to his first game. Uh, it's cost me an arm and a leg, I've got to say that, so, you know, uh, be thankful for what you've got at Burnley, because if you can get hold of, like, reasonably priced tickets, you're doing well as a football club these days. Hope you're okay, guys. Enjoy the game. Um, it's great to speak to you again. Bye-bye. Okay, Matt, referee details, please. Uh, we've got Sam Barrett of Home Firth in West Yorkshire. He took uh, charge his first... Burnley match last season as we beat Crawley Town in the League Cup. We've lost all of the three matches he's taken charge of so far this season, which were Premier League games against Bournemouth and West Ham, and more recently the defeat at Spurs in the FA Cup. Uh, he's kept his red card in his pocket for those previous four matches, and the yellow card count stands at seven for Burnley players and six to our opponents. Uh, the video assistant referee on Wednesday evening will be Robert Jones. Dave, this is turning into being one of the more saddest preview shows we've ever had. Do you literally have any good news for us? Um, okay, Mike. Um, I mean, <laughs> the stats talk for themselves. I don't think any of us are feeling particularly positive ahead of the, the game to the Etihad. Um, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because we, we, we've we gone into the winter break with that just ridiculous equaliser against Luton at home. It would have been such a different pitch if we'd have managed to get three points there. And we've now got to go away to City, who just seem to want to pace us every single time we play them. Um, there's the whole company thing, which he seems to relish, but hasn't really got on top of yet. Um, I guess, what are you what are you expecting to see? Like, what, what kind of performance would make you come away from the Etihad feeling happier and more motivated for the rest of the season, irrespective of the result? I think that... Well, let's put it this way. We, we've got no or little or no chance. All I want to see is the Clarence playing organised and playing well for 90 minutes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I just listening to all those stats and all the stuff Dave, got, Dave, uh, Dave was saying. I've got a ticket for Wednesday and I'm really reconsidering my life choices. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've seen the five nils. I've seen the six nils. I mean, I'm at the point where I'm buying a ticket to watch you two at the Etihad purely because then I get to see one. But where it comes down to <laughs> is the that's one for the kids. Um, what it comes it. down to is I want to see a good performance. I, I just, yeah. you know, it's not about the scoreline, which is really, really weird. I would love to see us score a goal in the first half because then I'll celebrate it like we won a title. I mean, we've, we conceded our last eight games. Here's a stat. Uh, we last eight games uh, conceded 28, scored zero. So I just want to see a goal. I want to see a good performance. Mm-hmm. I want to see uh, an organised, uh, yeah, just a good performance, uh, you know, where players are just... You know, they are trying because ultimately uh, City are, they're a team full of Terminators. You know, they are, they've got class from front to back. Um, So I just want to see how we do. You know, I'm not expecting anything. I'm going to go there. I'm going to really enjoy throwing abuse at Kyle Walker because I think he's one of the cheatingest players in the league. Mm. Uh, I'm going to watch Kevin De Bruyne because I think he's one of the most wonderful players. Oh, he's an amazing player. I can't, you know, you cannot bring yourself to to not enjoy watching that guy play. Um, and, you know, and just go there and this is what makes it, this is what makes following Burnley interesting because you never know. Because I kind of felt this way when we went to Old Trafford a couple of years, years ago. Like, why am I doing this yet again? I yeah. put myself through it. And then suddenly it happened. Uh, and maybe this time it doesn't. But at least I'm turning up for a number of reasons, not least of which is spite. Uh, just to sort of go, I'm still coming. You know, this is and I, I kind of I, I did a thing about this a long time ago. I go there because it reminds me what following a real football club is like. Yeah. Because when you follow Burnley to a place like that, which is a exercise in state and corporate power, and, and not particularly a football club. You remember what's great about Burnley and what's great about football. And yeah, you come away with a 5-0 or a 6-0 or whatever, but you go, yeah, at least at least I'd follow a football club these days and not a branding exercise. Right. I'm well enough here. That was I'm just oh, I'm not gonna that's it. I'm closing that segment there because what a beautiful way to describe the experience of going away to the Etihad. Thank you so much. And also as well, thank you for giving uh, producer Matt our podcast title this year, a te- this episode, A Team Full of Terminators. That's exactly how we're going we're gonna to run that. <laughs> uh, okay, we are running out of time, so let's start wrapping this up, please. Um, we don't have a stat of the week, do we? Because we covered that in our earlier one, Dave. So we no, do, I do have... I do have a bonus stat for you. Do we have... Where is it? Why is it not on my script? Oh, yeah, it's there. That hidden in that sketch. Jeez. We have a bonus stat for our listeners. Ra, can you please put it in the script where I can see it? Um, please let our listeners know what gem you've got for them this week, please. Uh, yeah, our bonus stat of the week for this week uh, regard, is regarding loan players. Uh, we're expecting, we're hoping, uh, David Datro Fofana uh, we're going to make his uh, debut on Wednesday evening. Uh, but Manchester City have provided more loan players to Burnley at seven than any other club. They are Carl Birmingham, if you remember him, uh, Jerry Craney, John Goodetti, Taylor Harwood-Bellis, Ben Mee, Gareth Taylor and Kieran Trippier. 
when he makes his Burnley debut, David Fafana will join the likes of Patrick Bamford, Nathaniel Chalabar, Jack Cork, Danny Drinkwater and Ian Matson as Chelsea loanees for the Clarets. Lovely stuff. Okay, well, sticking with um, City, uh, you are going to move us on to our final feature of the week, and that is, of course, rating Manchester City's celebrity fans. Who have you shortlisted, please? And let's score them out of 10. Mike, it's going to be on you to give the score, so listen carefully. Yeah, we've got six. We've got six famous City fans we've shortlisted in no particular order. Uh, the first entry on our list in a two-for-one deal, which means it's actually seven names rather than six this time, uh, is the ex-Oasis brothers, uh, 56-year-old Noel Gallagher and his sibling rival Liam, who's 51. Uh, both now record separately, with the reunion remaining extremely unlikely. But they're both lifelong City fans. Also from the world of music is 60-year-old Johnny Marr, who came to fame in the 80s as guitarist and co-founder of The Smiths, but has continued to record and perform uh, to this day. Uh, next up is comedian and presenter Jason Manford, who's 42 years old and was born in Salford. Uh, former England and Lancashire cricketer Andrew Freddie Flintoff is 46 years old and was actually born in Preston. But despite some flirtations with his hometown club, he appears to have permanently switched his allegiances to Manchester City. I wonder why. Uh, the money-saving expert, Martin Lewis, is a household name with his own ITV series and appearance on shows like Good Morning Britain. Born in Withington in Manchester, he grew up in Didsbury and he's now 51 years old. And finally, a 45-year-old former world champion boxer, Ricky Hatton, was born in Stockport in 1978, but passed over Stockport County in favour of City and always used to come out and enter the ring to the sound of Blue Moon, the City Anthem. Good stuff. That is a spectacular list of celebrities. Mike, I know how I would score that, so give us your score out of 10, please. How are you rating City's celebrities? This is, this is purely a personal judgment, isn't it? This is purely yes. a personal score based on personal opinion of those yes. six people. I'm so <laughs> glad George isn't on here. Oh, because Johnny Marr gives it a 10. Uh, a couple of sportsmen, yeah, okay, that's an eight. Um, Jason Manford, used to gig with him in the past, nice guy, that's an eight. Uh, and then we have the two Gallagher brothers, which basically makes it minus a million. Uh, um, <laughs> Oasis, yes. Let's, uh, I could start on Oasis and you would. Uh, we have a limit on Zoom and I, I, I could be going... A three or four on why we'll do that in a separate episode, Mike. So, we'll yeah, it'll it'll be fun, but um, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, let let's go with actually. I think it's fairly strong. I'll go with eight without the Gallagher brothers, which would be a lovely world, and um, three with them, and oh, that's dear. me being generous. Okay. Well, team none and ever, who we polled before we went on air today, I think the lowest score was eight and the highest, a couple of people gave it a solid 10 out of 10. So oh, I'm going to... Like yes, who gave it the 10? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really think you need to... <laughs> I think it was the first one to answer, the little chipmunk that is George Poole, who just came in and went, then, well, then, oh, just, then. just tell him, just tell him, I remember Oasis when they were playing, I remember that music that Oasis played the first time around. I will tell him that. He, <laughs> what, he'll, he'll look at me blank and go, what? What? He won't understand that. Bless his little heart. Uh, right, well, I'm going to moderate this and I'm going to stick right in the middle between everything. I'm going to give them a nine, just basically because I've got to, you know what, if my team quits, Mike, you're going to be on the podcast for the rest of the season. I'll have to go out. I'll be in the transfer window in January, in uh, summer, looking for a whole new squad because I'll quit. Um, 
Right, that, that brings an end to our preview show. Uh, we've rated our celebrity uh, City fans. We have given you some very depressing stats ahead of the game. What we haven't given you is a score prediction because Mike Landers, our friend of the show and guest this week, just gave us a beautiful, beautiful analogy of why he is going to um, go to the game. I'm going to leave it at that. So, Dave, any other housekeeping to give our listeners, please, before we sign off for the night? Uh, no, just a reminder on the FPL, I think. Uh, the latest round of midweek matches in the Premier League starts on Tuesday evening, uh, which means the FPL deadline for game week 22 is going to be 6pm on Tuesday. So you've got to get in quick with the team changes. And as always, we wish green arrows to all of you who take part in the No Name Ever Fantasy Premier League. Green arrows. I'm going to get some green arrows. Do you like the big foam fingers that you get at the, at the thing? I'm going to get some big green arrows. We'll do this on the podcast. I'm sure that will go down very well. Uh, listeners, that is all we have time for. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Um, we have been through um, as much as we can and we are back in game time. So we're going to hopefully get um, a... We've got a game this weekend. Fulham, is it this weekend, Dave? So we'll be back on Friday night with the preview show, which we will bring you um, an amalgamation of a preview and reaction to that City game. Um, Just as a spoiler, a spoiler ahead of Fulham... Fulham's record at Turf Moor is worse than our record at City. So we're going to win on Saturday. Excellent. No, you no, don't no, 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 works. that's what I heard. You know how this works. No, 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 I heard that. I'm taking that as a gas dying out. You hear, heard it here first in the None and Ever preview show. Dave Roberts has guaranteed us victory at Turf Moor on Saturday. <laughs> Tune in to the next preview show for more detailed analysis on Fulham. Uh, thank you very much to everybody who has made this podcast possible, to my guests, Dave and Mike. Mike, friend of the show, uh, who we adore, and we're hopefully going to get on much more, particularly as the season goes on, because we always always a pleasure to have him. To producer Matt, to uh, FPL expert uh, Adam Dennett, and to the rest of the None and Ever team for helping us get here this evening. Um, tune in and keep an eye on socials for the next publication date. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonenever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Oh. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.